When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what a beautiful sight this is. Just one month until the NFL regular season kicks off. Kansas City Chiefs, the champs, playing host to the upstart Detroit Lions. We sure can't wait. Welcome to NFL Live. Look at the crew. You got them right there. Mina Kimes, Damian Woody, and Adam Schefter. And as I mentioned, just one month until football begins. Let's do a quick reads of what we are most looking forward to in this next month. Schefter, you're up first. Well, Field, I know we have Josh Jacobs unsigned. I know Nick Bosa and Chris Jones and Zach Martin haven't reported. But Jonathan Taylor is the drama that continues to hang over the National Football League. He wants to be paid or he wants to be traded. We'll see if the Colts can figure out a new deal. And if they can, if they'd be willing to trade him, another team can get it done. But the Jonathan Taylor saga isn't going away until there's a little bit more clarity, which right now we don't have. All right, I'm going to stay in Indianapolis. I'm excited to watch all of the rookie quarterbacks, but I think I'm most excited to watch Anthony Richardson, not just because of his unbelievable tools, but also we don't know when he's going to start. Between him and Gardner Minshew, he could sit for a few weeks. I'm sure he'll start at some point in the season, or he might start week one. I think we're going to learn a lot in the preseason, and I imagine it'll affect the Colts' thinking. Yeah, I'm going to take it to the NFC South and go with the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young. I think he's in a situation where he has a great infrastructure with Frank Wright and that and that coaching staff. He's already been announced as the start as the starting quarterback with the Carolina Panthers. What is this young man going to look like in this first preseason start? Okay, they got a pretty good group assembled around him. How is he going to transition from being that magical quarterback at University of Alabama to now being the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? And that Bryce Young segues perfectly into another piece of news surrounding the Carolina Panthers as they spent even more of that cap space they had available, signing veteran edge rusher Justin Houston to a one-year deal that includes $6 million guaranteed. Uh, he is like fine wine because he seems to have something left in the tank at 34 years old. He pressured opposing quarterbacks at the fifth highest rate in the NFL last season. He's in some impressive company. Look at the likes of Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, Trey Hendrickson, Vaughn Miller at the very top of that list. And, of course, he feels a significant need for the Panthers, who uh, pressured at just the 26th best rate in the NFL last season. Shefty, of course, first on this news. How did this deal come together? Well, Phil, we have a situation where Carolina was looking for more pass rush help. And in previous days, we've begun to see some pass rushers on the street find homes. Yannick Ngakwe last week goes off the market to the Chicago Bears for up to $10.5 million. And Justin Houston, an experienced, proven veteran pass rusher, still sitting out there on the street. I'm sure no veteran minds missing the first couple of weeks of camp. And now that the first couple of weeks of camp have gone by, well, the opportunities look a little bit more appealing to a player like Justin Houston, especially when a team like Carolina comes calling and offers about $6 million in guaranteed money. So it's easy to get a deal done once the money comes up 
the way it did to where it's higher than what he made last year yeah, in twice. Baltimore, and he could help provide some pass-rushing help for Carolina. And he gets started this week with the New York Jets coming into practice against the Carolina Panthers all week long. Yeah, seems like a pretty natural fit there in Carolina for Justin Houston, Mina. But how good can this defense be when you look at it in total? I think that the Panthers defense has the potential to be a top 10 unit this year because all the pieces are in place. They have young stars at every level up front. Of course, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, you got Frankie Louvu at linebacker, JC Horn, who was injured but has the makings of a great press man corner. And then now you throw in experienced veterans who are still playing at a high level. Of course, Justin Houston, who we just talked about. I thought Von Bell at safety was one of the sneakier uh, underrated signings of the offseason. And then the final piece is you bring in Jiro Evero as a defensive coordinator. Not only did he prove his medal in Denver and got head coaching looks because of it, but he calls a defense that I think fits really well with the talent they have on the roster, especially up front on that defensive line. When you consider all of that, it, to me, it seems like a formula for a unit that's poised to make a leap. And if they do so, we'll certainly help the young quarterback. Yeah, Damien, it's interesting, too, thinking about this young quarterback because there are pathways to success. I mean, you were around a young quarterback in New England who became the greatest quarterback of all time, one of two times in which you played with a young quarterback and a great defense. How important can that great defense be in complementing and boosting the confidence of the offense? Yeah, yeah, Phil, it can be huge. Not only was I there to witness it with Tom Brady, but also my time in New York with Mark Sanchez being a rookie guy and, and having the number one defense behind him. And, it, and it's, Phil, you said it right. It's the confidence, you know, when, you, when you're a young quarterback, knowing that, hey, I'm going to experience growing pains. I'm going to have things that I'm going through trying to navigate the National Football League. But I have a defense that's behind me that's going to give me extra possessions. And, you know, when you add a Justin Houston, you know, to that Carolina Panthers defense to help bolster it, pair him alongside Brian Burns to help with that pass rush, I think that's what it's all about. Any way that you can help bring more possessions to a young quarterback who's obviously very talented, uh, but also was going to boost that confidence with uh, with Bryce Young uh, on the field. So that's where I think a good defense can really help a young quarterback. Just one more time, shout out to Justin Houston, who spent the entire offseason waiting for a team and then got yeah. a contract that doubles his pay from last year at 34 years old. Good job of football business done by Houston and Carolina. Let's go from the team with the number one pick to the team with the number two pick as the Texans have announced their starting quarterback for the first preseason game. It's C.J. Stroud, of course, the number two overall pick. Here's his head coach, Tomiko Ryans, on the expectations for the rookie. Yeah, from C.J. in this game, I just want to see a guy come out and command the huddle, command the huddle, command the offense, uh, get us lined up, get everybody on the same page, and just operate efficiently. I mean, it's the Texans and the Patriots on Thursday night. I don't think he'll get the full Bill Belichick experience, but what are you most excited or interested <laughs> to see from the Texans offense and C.J. Stroud this Thursday night? Yeah, we also won't get the full Bobby Slowick, who's their new sure. offensive coordinator experience. You know, preseason offenses do tend to be pretty vanilla. But that said, I'm still curious to see what it looks like. He comes from San Francisco, where we, of course, associate him with Kyle Shanahan and that under center wide zone boot attack. But the Niners offense has also gone through different iterations, especially recently. So I'm kind of curious to see how that offense looks, how CJ Stroud, who would seem to be a good fit for hit with, you know, his accurate arm. He looks good throwing on the move. 
uh, how he looks in the offense. And then I, I think this is maybe most important for me with Stroud. I want to see how quickly he gets the ball out, even against a you know Patriots defense that's not maybe playing all their starters and sending the full house at him. Um, I do think he needs to quick quicken his release a little bit in the NFL, and I'll be curious to see how he looks in that respect early on. Yeah, Lena brings a great point. I think it's, you know, he's another guy, the offensive coordinator comes from San Francisco, obviously, Kyle Shanahan. So what iteration of this, of this offense is going to be? There's a lot of, you know, San Francisco-based uh, offenses in the National Football League, and people run different variations of it. What is it going to look like uh, in, in Houston? Is it going to be primar primarily under under center? Is it going to be more in shotgun? You know, those are the type of things that we're, that we're likely going to see. Now, I think the interesting, interesting part about the Texans is they sustained some injuries up front on their offensive line. Mm. Uh, their center, you know, yeah. is uh, towards ACL out for the year. Right tackle, uh, Titus Harris, uh, Howard, you know, has a hand injury, so he's going to be out for a number of weeks. So that's a big blow for, for a young quarterback to have significant injuries along the offensive line. Damian. It's like you're reading my mind because I was getting ready to ask Shefty about Titus Howard, who D'Amico Ryan says that has a hand issue uh, earlier today. Shefty, what more do we know about this situation? Well, Field, he had hand surgery today. It's a broken hand, and I was told that Titus Howard is going to be out four to six weeks. So if we start to do the math, the regular season opener is exactly one month away. So Titus Howard could potentially be back in time for the Texans regular season opener on September 10th against the Baltimore Ravens. But a lot to come back from a broken hand with surgery today. And of course, Damian Woody mentioned the center as well. Scott Quisenberry tore his ACL, his MCL last week. He's out for the year, already placed on injured reserve. That leaves a hole at center, yeah. and that leaves a question at right tackle with mm -hmm. Titus Howard. And Houston's put so much money mm -hmm. into the offensive line yeah. this offseason. They re-signed Laramie Tunsil. Mm -hmm. They re-signed Titus Howard. They extended Shaq Mason. They've done all these moves up front with all this money. And now some of it already is in question with the status of Titus Howard being up in the air and the hole now being at center. Sure seems like the door is wide open to second-round pick Juice Scruggs out of Penn State to starting at center. And then not that long ago, the Texans gave real, as far as swing tackle money is concerned, real money to George Fant to sign after he worked out for the team. So perhaps he is the option at right tackle. Now, I'm not sure if Patrick Mahomes needs any hands broken, not broken, fully functional, whatever, to play quarterback because – how does he keep doing this stuff and making it look so easy? I can't throw a pass that far, which was, I don't know, five yards, like with my hand going where it's supposed to go, not behind the back. And Patrick Mahomes makes this look too darn simple. Is there a chance that at some point this season, Adam Schefter, Patrick Mahomes throws a behind-the-back <laughs> touchdown that wins you a fantasy matchup against me in the War Room League? I probably won't win many fantasy matchups. My track record there is not very good field, but we can see Patrick Mahomes throw any type of pass. We've seen it. He's become like a Steph Curry kind of player. Yeah. You never know where Steph Curry's going to hit a shot from. It could be half court. It could be three quarters court. And now it's the same thing with Mahomes. Goes behind his back, goes through his legs, goes yeah. over his head. Whatever it is, anything is always possible. It makes him the must-see TV that he actually is. And again, as you pointed out earlier this morning, one month from today, Chiefs, Lions, regular season opener, who knows what kind of pass we're going to see that night from Patrick Mahomes. Mental note I just wrote down to make sure I really remember it. Next time I reference the war room, 
I'm going to ask 2021 champion Mina Kimes because she had a <laughs> dominant stretch. Austin Eckler and Mina were the most dynamic duo in all fantasy football. <laughs> hey, you were the queen for a full year. Hey, just getting started here on NFL Live. Jamar Chase says he doesn't want his quarterback out there unless he's 100%. But what does that mean for Cincinnati's offense? Plus, Damian gives us his takeaways from Jets training camp. You don't want to miss what he thinks could be a problem for Aaron Rodgers in this offense. That's coming up next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. ESPN Fantasy Football is the number one fantasy game. And with the season right around the corner, get your league started now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. Be the Mina Kimes of 2021 and 2023. I just like the Jets formula. That defense has been playing outstanding football. And for the second time today, the Jets have picked off Josh Allen. <laughs> Woo! 35-30, Marcus Jones down the middle from the 10, into the end zone! Touchdown! No flag! The ball's going to be caught, that'll be a first down, and now the ball's fumbled, and it is picked up by the Jaguars, they're running it back! All right, so the Jets put Damien in the blender last year, but after all those ups and downs, he's back for more. He and his sons hit up Jets training camp last week. If you're wondering, in the middle, that's not Quinn and Williams. That's Damien Williams, uh, Damien Woody's son. Um, just happens to be Quinn and Williams' doppelganger. Uh, but, Damien, a great day for you guys uh, at Jets training camp. Uh, what were your big takeaways after spending some time around the team? Yeah, Phil, we had a great time, man. I came away with three things uh, as it relates to the Jets. Number one, Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson is going to be a major problem for defense this year. He just Aaron Rodgers was just on on the money on his game uh, throughout the practice that I saw. And Garrett Wilson is it's just special, like special, you know, special route runner. The dude can just he can really do anything he wants out there on the football field. So that's one. Um, number two, the offensive line is, is an issue right now. I'm clearly watching that. That is. Something that a lot of people have talked about um, this, you know, in the offseason, earlier in the preseason, and that still remains an issue. Dwayne Brown still on PUP. He's still got time to come, you know, he's still trying to work his way back. Makai Backton coming back off of being out two years with, with multiple knee injuries. And they just got guys that, you know, that they need to they need to step it up. And then number three, there's a couple guys on defense outside of the Quentin Williams, guys named Tony Adams, safety. Mm-hmm undrafted guy in his second year, and Will McDonald IV, the Jets' first-round draft pick, 
he could be special. He has special, special ability. He's freakish as far as rushing the passer. I think he's going to be great in a situational uh, role with the Jets this year as a pass rusher. We know the Jets defensive line is very deep, so watch out for those two guys on the defense this year. Yeah, that uh, is scary to hear if you're a quarterback in the AFC East because you were already terrified of this Jets defensive line that, as Damian said, is so deep. I remember watching the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I think it was in the first half. Bryce Huff made a play. I was like, whoa, why is Bryce Huff on the field? Because yeah. he was one of the better situational pass rushers <laughs> in the NFL last year. But that's how deep these Jets are up front. Yeah. We're talking just waves and waves of pass rushers. Now you throw McDonald into the mix. That's just horrifying. Uh, but maybe equally concerning, only the other way to the Jets fans, is what you're saying about that offensive line. Because this has been really the, I would say, I wouldn't say the only question, but certainly the predominant question that everyone's had about this team all offseason. They're so stacked on both sides of the ball, but did they do enough to protect Aaron Rodgers? Sure, why not? The tackle position remains a concern. And it, I think, Damian, don't, I, I don't believe it would be dramatic to say that that seems to be the one thing that could undo or at least get in the way of this team from making a deep run. Yeah, I, you know, again, just a, as a former lineman, that was the one thing that jumped out, to, jumped out at me. Now, we know that GM Joe Douglas, he's had, uh, you know, he's had um, situations where he's found kind of gems actually in training camp. He did it with Morgan Moses a couple years who, was, who would, had been let go by the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens. No, yeah. the, the Washington Commanders, excuse me. And he was able to catch on with the Jets and played actually really, really well. So, the Jets are in a situation where everything is in flux or at off of the tackle. Hopefully they can get that sorted out. Yeah, I mean, this time of the year, normally you'd say, like, who is actually available? The one thing you can probably count on with the Jets is that if there is any avenue to upgrade this offensive line, they'll explore it because obviously this team is all in right now to try to win big with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, for something just a little bit different than the Jets, this is Carson Wentz working out and – he looks like one of those edits I see from these high school football players who's narrowed down his top three schools, <laughs> and you have a little bit of each school represented <laughs> on a photo. That's an Eagles helmet, a commander's practice jersey, and an Indianapolis Colt pair of shorts. Did you ever try this when you were a free agent, Damien, to try to get recruited? <laughs> um, Phil, I didn't need to do that. You know, <laughs> I, I just I just let the tape speak for myself, okay. and fortunately for me, I... I did okay in that department, but I didn't have to pull that uh, what Carson Wentz did. Yeah, you got the tape, then you got the bags, and life was good for Damian Woody with the Patriots, Lions, and also the Jets. Mm. All right, not far from done here from uh, NFL Live is coming up with the addition of Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley's contract finally settled. Are the Giants built to compete in the NFC East? Hear why Damian says there's still some spots on offense they need to address. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, next Monday at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, we'll kick off our 8th annual fantasy football marathon with more than 28 straight hours of coverage on ESPN, ESPN2. That culminates with our fantasy football draft next Tuesday at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Simulcast again on YouTube, Facebook, X, and the ESPN app. All the fantasy insight you need to get ready for your season Wait. So the Giants broke out in 2022, clinching an unlikely playoff berth with Daniel Jones thriving, putting together his best season of his career. That led to that new four-year lucrative extension and plenty more expectations this season. He recently sat down with our Sal Palantonio. We have a lot of confidence in Daniel. I think there's no limit as to how high he can climb. The Giants reach agreement on a four-year deal. How do you live up to the money as a New York Giant? I know we have a lead quarterback. We got his back, no matter what. You know, there's always expectations. I'm going to, you know, work as hard as I can and focus on what I need to do in this building day in and day out. I have high expectations for myself. Have you processed that or tried to help yourself process through that of what comes with the money? I feel like I've been scrutinized pretty, pretty closely. I've always worked as hard as I possibly can, and, and I don't think that changes at this point. So I'm going to prepare and uh, be ready to go. Scrutinized for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of, like, when is Daniel Jones going to get the respect that he deserves? How much do you hear that, and how do you deal with that? Uh, I think the respect thing, I'm much more concerned with how my teammates feel about me and, and my ability to communicate with That's them. That's not and, easy to do, Daniel, <laughs> sometimes when you hear how loud it gets and how nasty it can get. Yeah, I think that's part of playing the position in this city, and Eli obviously did it well for a long time, and you're able to do that just day after day. That's, I feel like, the best way to approach it. Eli was at practice today. Have you ever talked to him about that, about playing the position here, about dealing with the extra pressure of getting paid the big money. Yeah, I've spoken to him a little bit about it. I think that was his approach to, you know, kind of lock into where he was in that moment and, and kind of take it day by day. And I know he was a guy who didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what was going on and what was being said about him, good or bad. Daniel, when Saquon walked in that door after he signed that uh, franchise tag, he must have been very happy. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was. I was happy. I think he's in a tough spot, you know, with the contract stuff. I think it says a lot about him for him to be here for this team. He means a ton to us on the field, obviously, with his playmaking, and then in the locker room as a leader, just his ability to influence guys, to impact guys, and kind of bring everybody up with him. Did you at all entertain in your mind the idea? Okay, how do I play football this year without number 26? Did you ever think about uh, how the heck am I going to do that? Did it ever Not get really. to that point? Not really. I mean, he's so vital to what you guys do offensively. Yeah. It's certainly a lot easier when he's out there with us. He's a big part of what we do. Let's talk about the other quarterback in New York, Aaron Rodgers. We saw him all over the place, Madison Square Garden, Taylor Swift concerts. Where was Daniel Jones this summer? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I was up here working out, playing golf, and 
and hanging out, but wishing the best. Obviously, I have a huge amount of respect and been a big fan of his for a long time, so look forward to watching him this year, and then, you know, we'll, we'll play him, obviously. Number eight, number eight, going against each other at MetLife Stadium. That's going to be a good game. That'll be interesting. Yeah, it should be fun. I think, you know, you certainly hear the buzz with the Jets and the buzz with us also, so it'll be fun. But we got Dallas week one. That's where we're focused. Look at that. Saying all the right things is Daniel Jones. You know, this offseason, they kind of added to the receiver and tight end room is, of course, the most notable addition was Darren Waller. They traded pick number 100 overall to acquire him from the Raiders. In the third round of the draft, they drafted former Tennessee wideout Jalen Hyatt. He won the Bolitnikoff Award as the nation's best wide receiver. Uh, that five touchdown game certainly helped. They also added a pair, a trio, excuse me, of slot receivers, Paris Campbell, Cole Beasley, and Jamison Crowder. I suppose strength and numbers might work out of the slot. Uh, Mina, how do you evaluate their pass catchers right now? You know, I'm kind of torn on it, Field, because I actually really like the talent they added. I thought yeah. the trade for Waller was exceptional value if he's healthy. Um, Paris Campbell is really shifty, good separator in the slot. Jalen Hyatt was a prospect I really liked just because of his speed and that Tennessee offense. But all that said, I look at this group and I still don't feel like they have a true number one. Hyatt could be that guy. He mostly played in the slot, actually, in college. Yeah. But it does sound like they're going to ease him into the starting lineup. I think at times they'll have Darren Waller lined up at the X, and that'll be, um, I think, productive. But to me, it just feels like uh, a lot of talented players, more speed and separation than last year, still missing that final piece that takes his offense to the next level, which high it could be. Yeah, listen, for me, I, when I look at their receiving core, I, you know, excluding the tight end, there are a lot of similar guys, a lot of like similar like slot type guys. And the question I have is when you enter the red zone, when things get constricted and tight, who's that guy that can just one on one go go get it for you? That's the question I have. And I know Darren Wall is a is a you know, is a, it's a matchup guy, but they don't really have enough. They don't have a wide receiver that can really create that. Uh, you know, create that issue in the red zone. So it'll be interesting to see how Brian Dable and company, you know, how they address that. Amazing to me because as we talk about the wide receivers and who's going to emerge, this is still amazing to me that Saquon Barkley would go back and report to training camp as early as he did, sign the same offer that was on the table, turn down $23 million in guaranteed money a week earlier and not procure the ability not to be tagged again during the offseason. When you speak to people around the league, they couldn't believe that he didn't extract that out of the Giants. What he did was incredibly helpful and beneficial and yeah. thoughtful for the organization, his teammates, the fans in New York. Great move there. Questionable business decision. We'll see how it turns out. He is the engine that makes that whole offense go, and without him in the red zone, they would have been even more lost. He is as much a target as anybody there, and he reporting makes that offense go right now. Yeah, I'll say this about Saquon. From a purely football perspective, I think while we might have questions about whether they have a true X, number one, he will benefit from the speed that the Giants added to their 
wide, wide receiver and tight end group because this offense last year was super constricted, lots of stacked boxes, safeties dropping out, DBs playing up because they knew Daniel Jones wasn't going to throw downfield. Um, I think they're going to see a lot more room, a lot more lighter boxes for Saquon this year, and he should benefit as a result, which I'm excited to see. Yeah, I feel like at some point you sort of say to yourself with this offense, the personnel may be imperfect, but given what they got out of the offense last year with such minimal resources, yeah. it's exciting to think what an above-average group, or at least a mm -hmm. better group compared Agreed. to where it was last year, could produce this season. All right, more to come here on NFL Live. Not just Giants talk, but so much more. Can the Dolphins be dominant on defense without their Pro Bowl corner, at least one of them? Mina tells us why she believes the guys up front can make up for any missing holes. NFL Live, time now to do a little bit of read and react is Matt Ryan, the CBS sports analyst, and of course, longtime quarterback who has not officially retired. Join the Adam Schefter podcast. Always check it out. And he talked about his former teammate, Jonathan Taylor. I think he plays at some point knowing him as, as a teammate. Like the, the thing about it is he's one of the nicest people, like the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's one of the best teammates, unselfish, hard worker, all of those things, but is in that window where it's his turn. It's his turn to get paid. I know Chris Ballard. I know Jim Irsay. They'll, they'll do their best to try and, you know, make it right. I'm not sure if both sides can come to that, that place where it makes sense for both of them. But my guess is that he kind of plays the season out and then we'll see where it goes from there. All right, Shefty, you know more than most. What's next for Jonathan Taylor? Well, that's the problem. Something that makes sense for both sides. And Jonathan Taylor really wants to get paid or he wants to be traded. And the Colts don't seem overly comfortable paying him. And they've been vocal about not wanting to trade him. So what do you do? And to me, that's a storyline that continues to hang above this team and the National Football League. And I would imagine we're going to have to get some form of clarity as we get closer to the regular season. It's not going to work with him standing on the sidelines with his hoodie on every day during practice. It just field. feels like a nasty situation in which neither side seems to be coming out for the better. A lot has been made about the changes on the Dallas Cowboys offense. Dak Prescott had this to say to Yahoo Sports. Just crazy amount of details. Guys are on the same page, just being very open and communicating. That has been a world of difference. I keep saying aggressive nature, but it's aggressive in the play calls with a great purpose in it. Hey, if that's not there, you know the reads. Just get down to it. Very clear and concise about getting to a play that I feel most comfortable with. Damien, married to a Cowboys fan, what do you expect this offense to look like this year? You know, Phil, I actually expected it to look similar to Kellen Moore. Everyone talked about, you know, got alarmed by Mike McCarthy talking about running the ball. Listen, Mike McCarthy as a play caller has never been a guy to run the football. You trade for Brandon Cooks because you needed other guys to separate. I think it's a situation where they want to be aggressive, push the ball down the field. If it's not there, check it down. Brian Schottenheimer, who's the assistant coach on the offensive staff, he was notorious. I was with him in New York. He was notorious about taking care of the football. So I think that aspect will play into Dak's mindset moving forward this year. I hope, I hope he just is aggressive. I got confidence in that Cowboys offense this year. Perhaps I am nuts. Let's go to the Pacific Northwest now where Geno Smith revealed who he wanted the Seahawks to draft back in April. 
from day one, man, he's just been, you know, so special. And, um, you know, I kind of knew that, you know, I remember I was in L.A., um, was actually training with one of my boys and was watching his highlights. And I text Pete, I was like, man, we got to draft this guy. And uh, we ended up getting him, and, and so I was so happy. But just having him as a part of that wide receiver group, you know, with leadership with DK and Tyler and, and just being on this offense, you can tell how special he is as a player. He's really going to bring that added dimension to our team, and I, I'm just happy that we got him. Mina, how is JSN going to help the Seahawks offense? You know, it was already a very good wide receiver group, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but there were a few areas in which they were lacking. Production out of the slot, yards after the catch, and in the red zone, the Seahawks passing attack was not very good last year. I think JSN, with his skill set, solves all three of those issues, and he's going to have a ton of space to work with those other two wide receivers. This is a dangerous one, two, three punch. Geno Smith is a lucky man. Top five scoring offense this season. I'm calling it right now out there in Seattle. Let's go to the exact opposite corner of the country where the Dolphins play, and they haven't uh, had Jalen Ramsey, of course, for a couple weeks due to that knee injury, but there is plenty of optimism about this defense, including Christian Wilkins, although he hasn't yet been paid yet. Take a listen. I mean, I just try to focus as much on ball as possible um, and leave all that other stuff up to, you know, the organization and my representation um, and just control what I control with my guys and with this team. Um, I definitely feel like I've done enough and, you know, done a lot to earn a new deal and a new contract. But again, I'm just focusing on ball and improving every day um, and just giving my all to this organization and hopefully they'll give the all back to me. So. Hey, the numbers back up Wilkins' case. Since 2019, when he entered the league, he has been an elite run stopper. No player has posted a higher run stop win rate than Christian Wilkins. Wilkins, he's just ahead of Quinnen Williams and Jeffrey Simmons, who both signed extensions worth more than $22 million per year this offseason. So, Shefty, has there been any movement on a potential extension for Christian Wilkins with the Dolphins? Well, perfect that you would put up that box there, Field, because I think people in the Dolphins organization thought that by the time training camp rolled around, they would have a new deal in place for Christian Wilkins. The issue is we've seen Quinn and Williams get a deal that averaged $24 million a year. Jeffrey Simmons get a deal that averaged $23.5 million a year. Deron Payne get a deal that averaged $22.5 million a year. Mm. And Dexter Lawrence get the same average of 22 and a half. Meanwhile, Christian Wilkins is in camp. <laughs> No deal, and I think the market came in a little bit higher than the Dolphins thought it might and where they were prepared to go. And so here we have this elite defensive lineman with these other elite defensive linemen waiting to get paid, and thus we have a little bit of a stalemate yeah. with no deal because I think the numbers have come in so high for some of the other defensive tackles around the league. Yeah, and Shefty, one thing that people around the league have noted is that, like, we've had this massive run of defensive tackles getting paid. There's not that many left to still get paid. So, like, that num that market could slow down a little bit and not keep yeah. exploding like it has over the past couple of months here, Mina. Let's go back to Jalen Ramsey because, of course, his absence was one of the big storylines big story around the entire NFL early in training camps. How does that injury impact how this defense can function? I think it limits their ceiling a bit while he's out, but I also believe that they can survive it for a couple of reasons, or a few reasons. Um, whether it's Cater Kohu, who played excellently last year for Miami, or Cam Smith, who they drafted in the second round this year, they do have depth at the position, and I think it's a position that will be less isolated this year, or rather put in an easier position 
thanks to the new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Uh, last year, the defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, sent six pass rushers or more at the highest rate in the NFL, even more than Wink Martindale in New York. So I have to think Vic will dial that down a little bit and make life easier for these corners. And then the other thing that makes life easier for them is the big guy we were just talking about, really the entire uh, Dolphins defensive line, which I believe is top five in the NFL. So combined with sustained pressure and how fabulous they are against the run, better coaching, and yeah. I think um, some of the changes that we're going to see in their scheme, I think they can survive it, and I think they're still going to be a very good defense. Yeah, listen, I think the Dolphins' front seven is going to be elite, and I think Jalen Phillips, their young pass outside linebacker pass rusher, is going to break out this year. That's the guy that, you know, he's just gotten better and better and better, and he's going to, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to lead that team as far as sacks and pressures on the outside. We talked about Christian, you know, Christian Wilkins. I think, you know, he's, we already know he's an elite run defender, but I think he's going to add to that, the, the pressure up the middle. That's where you see a lot of these Elite defensive tackles are getting paid because those are guys, you know, all the top guys. So this Miami Dolphins defense, particularly at front seven, they're going to be, man, they're going to be, they're going to be a group that's going to be hard to stop this year. You know, Mina brought up the name Cam Smith, and that's an interesting name here because he was their second round draft pick, yeah. and a lot of people had a first round grade on him, but there were also teams that had him off their board due to character concerns. But I think that the Dolphins felt like they had some inside information there. Chris Greer's son played with them in college. They felt like they were getting a real ball player. And so far, what they've seen in camp has validated the selection so far. We'll see if he can play up to that talent, but there was a real mix of opinion. Some people felt the guy was an elite player, and some teams weren't even going to look at him, but the Dolphins put their second-round draft pick into him, and now let's see if he could pay off with Jalen Ramsey out a few months. Yeah, that secondary without Jalen Ramsey is going to be put to the test right away as, of course, the Dolphins travel to the Chargers in week one and that high-flying Justin Herbert-led offense this upcoming regular season. All right, coming up next here on NFL Live, we're going to talk about the Bengals. And Joe Burrow may not be healthy right now, but is it important for the Bengals to be patient? Here why one of his wide receivers says, yeah, on NFL Live from San Francisco. Some more optimism from 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. This tweet from Nick Wagoner, my eyes stink, so I'm going to try to read it real close. 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan said he, quote, doubts that quarterback Brock Purdy will play in the preseason opener against the Raiders. Purdy will practice some joint sessions this week. Shanahan indicated Purdy is still on pace to have the day off. His uh, day off restriction removed from his plan next week, so of course he will still be fine for the start of the regular season. All right, time now for some top stories, and the only person to ask top stories from is Adam Schefter. And, Chef, do we have some news regarding Kareem Hunt and the Saints? Field, he's in New Orleans today visiting with the Saints, and it certainly looks like the ingredients are there to strike a deal between the two sides. The Saints have lost Alvin Kamara to a three-game suspension. Backup running back Eno Benjamin tore his Achilles over the weekend. And even though the Saints went out and signed Jamal Williams in free agency, they obviously still could use another running back, Kareem Hunt, in New Orleans. Let's see if the two sides can get a deal worked out. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots and Matthew Judon worked out an agreement on a contract adjustment that will take his original $2 million that was guaranteed for this year to $14 million. 
fully guaranteed for this year. The adjustment improved his original deal and allowed Judon to make up to $18 million this year. No New Year's added to the deal. And the Philadelphia Eagles, once again, were at it, signing two players at one position as they did last year when they signed Indomitian Sue and Linville Joseph on the same day. This time, it's two linebackers. Miles Jack, Zach Cunningham, bring in linebackers for depth. Some people wondered if this was a reflection of N'Kobe Dean. No, it is not. The Eagles were just looking for some strength in numbers and have added it by adding two linebackers that they feel like have a real chance to make the roster. And meanwhile, in Cincinnati, the Bengals continue to wait for the return of Joe Burrow. Now, earlier this summer, the Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, said it would be several weeks before Joe Burrow returned to practice. Several weeks have not gone by. They're clearly not rushing to get him back. And we even heard Jamar Chase, the Bengals wide receiver, say that there's no rush to get him back on the field. Let's take their time and make sure Joe is healthy. All right, well, everybody loves your impersonation of Jamar Chase, Shefty. We're going to deliver Jamar Chase himself with his thoughts on when Josh, uh, excuse me, Joe Burrow should return to the field. I told him, that with all honesty, I don't want him there. You don't you know want him to play with I one. Same thing with me and my um, last you year. You week 20 for the uh, exactly, championship game. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? And I set out an extra game just to let my hip all the way heal up. And, you know, you don't want to cause no other problems later on in the season. You know, I told him, as long as you're there after week five and on, you know, we're good, brother. All right, so just to eliminate any sort of, like, misconception. I don't think Jamar Chase was saying he doesn't want Joe Burrow to play week one. I think the point is that he wants him to play <laughs> when he's fully healthy. If that's week three, that's better than coming back too soon in week one. Damian, you have dealt with an injury like the one that Joe Burrow is currently dealing with himself. How can it be tricky to recover from? Yeah, Phil, first of all, it's no joke. And, you know, it's one of those injuries where it's easy to re-injure it. And so it can be one of those situations where it could linger. If you come back too early from this injury, it could be a situation where it's just it sticks with you the whole year. And I think that's what – Jamar Chase is talking about. I'd rather for you to miss a little time and get yourself 100% ready so we can have you in December and January when it really counts. So again, I've dealt with it. It's 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 a pretty it's a pretty significant injury, and uh, I would advise the same thing. Like, don't come back until you're 100% from that injury. All right. So, Mina, in the event that this does linger, what kind of impact could that have on Joe Burrow, the player on the field? I think a sneaky. Big one, because while Joe Burrow isn't a prolific rusher, he's a really impactful one. And when you look at EPA per play, which basically accounts for down and distance and situation, he's a top 10 quarterback uh, in terms of running the football in the NFL. I mean, how many times have we seen a defense turn their backs to him in man coverage on third and six? And he gets seven yards, and they're so infuriating to the defense. But it's because he is good enough as a scrambler to make it happen and to threaten that way. And if you were to restrict him in any way or if he was to feel cautious about taking off in those situations, I think it would affect the offense's efficiency overall. Um, so to Damian's point, you really don't want him aggravating it because that is an important part of his game. Yeah, he's very good at maneuvering within the pocket, and when you when you're able to do that, you do you know put a lot of uh, pressure on your lower extremities. But also, I have to say the offensive line, you know, for Cincinnati, they've invested a lot of resources into that offensive line the past couple of years, and it's been you know they've had mixed reviews at best with those guys up front. So 
You know what will really help Joe Burrow? And as far as this injury is concerned, how about a better play up front and protecting the quarterback? Because Joe Burrow gets hit, gets hit a lot. So I think it's up to those guys up front to really start meshing together and really playing as a co cohesive unit to help the quarterback out more. You know, Damian, what do you know who else has had calf injuries his whole life? Me. I've never played quarterback, but I've always battled calf injuries, and they are, as you said, no fun. They linger, they <laughs> nag, they continue to come back. And as somebody who tries to run and continually suffers setbacks to the calves, Joe Burrow does need to take as much time as he needs this preseason. But to think that Joe Burrow wouldn't be out there in week one seems to be straight. Can you imagine that he's sitting out week one of the regular season because of a calf injury he suffered five, six weeks earlier? I don't see that happening. I don't think we're going to see Trevor Simeon on opening day for the Cincinnati Bengals, even if Joe Burrow's <laughs> half injury is not 100%. Now, and I'm imagining Shefty in like one of the, what they call Norma texts, like leg sleeves where he's up on his couch just getting that massage, like recovering <laughs> while still getting all the scoops, one phone in each hand. Uh, Shefty, I'm speaking of my calves. My calves have a worse track record than my war room fancy football league teams. Wow, I'm just you know, telling you that right now. You are now. just inviting mm. the skepticism right now. Uh, Shefty, really quickly, any update or anything of note on the Joe Burrow contract front? Because, of course, that's going to tie into his timeline as well. No, they've kept things very quiet. And, again, I still think that we will see a deal done before we see Joe Burrow return to the practice field. I think the two are tied Hand in hand, and I've seen we've seen the other quarterback deals get done. Burrow has to be next. All right, fifty-two and a half million is the current going rate for Justin Herbert. More for just Joe Burrow. Uh, Top of one more thing, and uh, happy birthday, Jalen Hurts. He is twenty-five today. This is one of the few songs that we can actually play on NFL Live without having to pay a massive fine. So you always do it. And by the way, <laughs> he's the only player in NFL history with at least forty passing touchdowns and thirty rushing touchdowns before turning twenty-five years old. He was a backup for most of his season. Mm. I had to make a pick for NFL MVP this year. I kind of always default to Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, the next two up. NFL Live is back tomorrow.